While You Were Folding, Episode 45, Back to School Blues. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly... <laughs> Philip's laughing. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things. Marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 11 years and a mother for nine. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will... <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I will introduce you to some amazing guests, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. And in case you were wondering, I record that every time, as you can tell tonight. (laughs) Okay, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father of mercy, thank you for the gift of this time to come down here and record this podcast It's a chance for me just to gather my thoughts on the start of the new school year and the struggle that we've been having at our house. And I want to thank you for all of the people that allow our lives to work the way it does. Uh, For my awesome husband who has been working hard to make sure that the school year is off to a good start. For all of our kids' teachers, all of their sweet classmates and all of the other families that are a part of our parish and our school. And I am so grateful for the gift of all of their time and their presence. And I want to work harder on making sure I slow down enough to honor you and each of the people that you've created. And I ask you to help myself and our family and all of those who are listening to use this time to bring their calendars, their schedules, and all of their commitments to prayer and uh, help all of us to be more deliberate in our choices so that our yeses can be joy-filled and that our noes can be thought out. And we ask you just to give each of us wisdom and peace as we go about making those decisions. And we ask these things through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, real quick, before I jump into some feedback and a question from a listener, I wanted to circle back to last week's episode. That was episode 44 about letter writing. And I shared how I have made a new resolution to try to write a letter, one letter a week from now until Christmas. And I wanted to see if any of you are joining me in that challenge. And if you've written any letters, I decided that Monday morning at 9am is going to be my scheduled letter writing time. And I actually wrote two letters this morning. And it made me so happy to get to send off some snail mail. And our daughter Dorothy, the three year old, she was so thrilled to get to help out by walking with me to the mailbox and sticking the letters in the little slot. And I have a feeling that she's going to want to continue to participate in the snail mail and maybe even draw some pictures to contribute to whoever I'm writing a letter to. So I think that will help me to have a three-year-old bully to stick with that resolution. Um, But I am proud to report that I have 
stuck with it for the first week. And I'll check in again next week to see if anyone else has written any letters to join me in this challenge. But I'd encourage you if that's something that you were hoping to do and you haven't gotten around to it yet, just to figure out what it is that's stopping you. Maybe you don't have the stationary. If that's the case, stop letting the perfect be the enemy of the good and just write it on a sheet of paper and stick it into a business envelope. Or you can even make an envelope (laughs) out of paper (laughs) and just glue it together. And as long as it has uh, certified U.S. postage on it, they'll send it. Um, (laughs) Philip's laughing at me, but it's true. Um, Or if you don't have any stamps, like I said last week on the podcast, you can order those off of Amazon. And they have a lot of really cute ones to choose from. So You could just write a letter and then... Text it to the like, take a picture of it. And then okay, text it to no, them too. no, that is defeating the purpose <laughs> of the challenge. We are actually we are sacramental embodied people. We are not just spiritual. We need these physical signs that we are loved by other people, and that's the whole point of snail mail and this challenge, Philip. So, gotcha. Please don't listen to him. He clearly did not listen to episode forty-four. So, I hope I get my letter soon. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, well, if you keep acting like that, you're not going to get a letter. Mm. (laughs) um, So think about whatever it is that's stopping you from doing the snail mail challenge. Figure out if it's not having the postage or the envelope or whatever. Or if you just haven't chosen someone that you want to write to ahead of time and need to maybe make a list of people so that when you sit down to write a note, you already have someone in mind. Um, So I'll circle back to that next time. On to feedback. This is the whole reason why I have Philip down here distracting me and being ornery tonight. Hmm. Uh, I had a listener send in a question, and since she didn't say whether or not she wanted to remain anonymous, I am not going to include her name so that I don't give away her identifying details here. So she had a question going back to episode 41, where I had a great conversation with our nine-year-old daughter, Jane, about puberty. That was... Uh, episode 41, Puberty Q&A with Jane. So the question says, Hi, Catherine. I've been a longtime follower and I'm so grateful for your ministry. You have such wonderful insights and I love how open and genuine you are with your listeners. My oldest will be nearing puberty soon, so your recent episode with Jane was great timing. I was wondering if you or your pediatrician husband could weigh in on a question I had. My daughter just turned eight and she's already been starting to show some signs, underarm odor, especially after physical activity, and noticeable leg hair, as well as a roller coaster of emotions. At what age did Jane start? So I'll stop there. Philip, at what age do you think Jane started showing some physical signs of puberty? Um, probably around the same time. I think the body odor is like the first thing that we started to notice and that was probably around age eight. I don't remember really, but um, yeah, the first time I noticed it was this last spring. So she is in fourth grade this year and she turned nine in February of 2019. So yeah, around age eight. Um, okay. So the question goes on. Is it typical to start with these signs so early? I'm a little worried that it's coming on too soon and read that stress can trigger it. She is prone to anxiety. I've also read that girls are getting their period younger than when we did, possibly due to exposure to hormones in the water supply from birth control and or plastics that can be endocrine disruptors. Her pediatrician isn't too concerned, but I was curious to hear a second opinion. Thank you. 
So you had a couple more questions tagged on to asking when Jane started having some signs of puberty, but I wanted to bring Philip on tonight because I think a lot of us have read the same concerns that you're having about uh, precocious puberty, girls entering into puberty earlier than maybe is healthy for them. So I thought I'd get Philip's input on this and whether or not he thought your daughter might be entering into precocious puberty. So when I first brought this question to Philip, you said that there are some definite parameters. Yeah, I think that um, I'm, I don't know all the specifics, obviously, about this child, so I can't really speak to their individual um, concerns, but I think in the global sense, the things that she has said, which is that her daughter is starting to have some body odor and roller coaster of emotions and leg hair, those are all kind of soft signs. Those aren't like true signs of puberty starting up as much as they are just kind of like the body ramping up and preparing for puberty. So um, in terms of what the guidelines say of precocious puberty, first of all, precocious puberty typically is the development of breast tissue and or pubic hair. And so the typical time frame for those that's considered abnormal in girls in the United States is before age eight. And so if she doesn't have those signs, which it doesn't sound like she does, she didn't give the full picture, but it, it doesn't sound like there's anything in, in her case that would be worrisome for precocious puberty, but that she's just advancing at a normal stage. I think body odor, um, leg hair, roller coaster emotions, those are all very normal things at age eight and beyond for um, girls in the United States. And, um, you know, to answer her question about triggers for it, it's typically it really mostly a genetic thing. So um, it's often related to when mom and dad went through puberty. Um, so if, the, if mom or dad were early bloomers, then usually the children will be as well and vice versa. Uh, or not really vice versa, but same thing if they're late going through puberty. Um, in terms of what is the cause that it is getting earlier that has been shown that it is getting earlier, but the cause hasn't been totally understood. There are thoughts as the, the um, writer mentioned about um, different exposure to hormones um, and plastics that can be endocrine disruptors, but I don't think the jury has decided that this is what is causing US girls to go through puberty earlier. So I don't think there's anything really to worry about in terms of exposures. Just general health recommendations would apply to ex um, exposures, but I don't think there's anything that's going to, in one individual child, make a dramatic difference in when they go through puberty, unless they have something that is pathological, meaning some underlying genetic issue or endocrine issue or something like that. And typically you think about precocious puberty in those children at a younger age, so under age eight, and then they typically have other features too with their growth and development that lead you down that path of concern. Most girls that get evaluated for precocious puberty, if they're having the start of puberty, meaning breast development or pubic hair at around, around age seven, are found to be normal variants and that there's nothing more pathologic to it, but it is worth getting investigated and having more of a physical exam and history taken um, by your pediatrician if you are concerned. Um, I have a follow-up question. Are you noticing among your patients, and maybe you haven't noticed a pattern here yet, of daughters having menstrual cycles earlier than their mothers did? Because it seems like the generation that we're in, that all of us had our menstrual cycles maybe a year or two 
before our moms did. So I started my period somewhere after fifth grade. And I think our daughter will be starting pretty soon as a fourth grader. And it seems like, I believe my mom was later than I was. So are you noticing that trend among your patients or have you seen a pattern? I don't think I've seen enough of a pattern to be sure. Um, I guess I, unless the parents have concerns, I don't get super deep into the history of the parents' um, puberty development and everything like that. So I can't say definitively that I see that on a regular basis, but I don't ask the question typically to, to find that out, I guess. Because I guess I'd be curious to know what the data says of what the average age was for onset of menstruation for girls 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 150 years ago. Right. I don't in have, the United yeah. States. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I, I mean, I think that it's the studies have shown that it's getting earlier. So I don't yeah. know what that means at the individual family or person level. But um, I think uh, that it, it means that it's just something to watch and to talk about early. And so... I'm glad that you especially have started the conversation with Jane early and often talking about it and being open to it because that makes a big difference when it surprisingly comes about because you weren't prepared for it because you weren't expecting it to be as early as it was when compared to when you went through it. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm glad that we've been treating it like a lifelong conversation and not just the talk like we've been talking about because we will have that one moment where she comes to us and says, I got my period. Right. And now she already knows all of that information. So, yep. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight, Philip. You're welcome. You can go be on your merry way. Thank you. I feel like we need to create your own theme song. I need my intro, outro music. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming on, honey. Mm-hmm. This week, I wanted to talk about the back to school struggle that we are having at our house. And I don't know about you and your children, but at our house, this is an annual struggle. And actually, I should say it's a biannual struggle because we go through the same thing when the kids go back to school after summer vacation. But it is definitely much more intense when we come back after summer vacation. And I've been sharing with my friends and family in real life, as well as my friends online, that we've been really struggling at our house. And based on the feedback that I've been getting from everyone in person and online, a lot of you are struggling too. So I thought I would just be real about that and share a little bit about what that's been looking like at our house, as well as some things that I've been reading and some ideas that we've had around here that have been helping. So just getting the conversation started on the back to school struggle. I came across this great article, my friend Julie shared it online, and it is from the website Today's Parent. And the article is called After School Restraint Collapse is a Real Thing here's how to deal with it. And I will include a link to this in the show notes because after reading it, I was nodding my head the whole time and I identified with it so strongly because it's ex- the article describes exactly what happens with our kids. So if I could summarize the article, basically it says our kids that the ones that are generally considered the quote unquote good kids are the ones who at school are on all day and they give their all emotionally. And then by the time they walk in the door of our homes, 
They feel so comfortable and at ease around us that they have no more mental or physical reserves left in them, especially the young ones that haven't been going to school all day, especially my kindergartner, Harry. So they come, and this always is the case for our kindergartners. He's our third one to go through adjusting to all day kindergarten. So they come home and they have no more mental or physical reserves and they just collapse. In the article, they call it after school restraint collapse because they've been emotionally and somewhat physically restrained all day, having to be in a seat, be still, listen to the teacher, show their attention to their peers, and be physically in control of themselves. And then they get home and they just collapse. And then the article also talks about how they at school are put into different situations, scenarios with their peers, with their teachers, where they have insecure attachments with them. And they are used to being able to rely on you, the secure attachment with mom and dad, but you're not there. And when they come back to you, they push you away when they come home because they have, I can't remember what they called it, defiant attachment, something where they are acting out of frustration and anger that they needed you at school. You were not there for them. And when you have your reuniting moment at home, they push you away. So when your kid comes home, they're collapsing because they're exhausted. And then you get a lot of anger and maybe even defiance because they're so, um, they have some of the frustration that you were not there for them during the day. And the article, I could not agree more (laughs) with it because I see it year after year with our kids. So if you are new to the podcast, my kids are in fourth grade, third grade, kindergarten, and then Dorothy is in two-day preschool. And then Gloria, our six-month-old, is at home with us. Um, But all of the kids at our school age are definitely struggling with this after-school restraint collapse. And we've been trying to figure out how to deal with it ever since Jane went to kindergarten. And it's hard. It's hard on all of us. And it's a big adjustment for everyone coming off of the summer schedule where we were around each other all day, every day. We were taking naps every day and They were used to being able to have time away from one another, to have little breaks and go off and do their own things. So they got to have some headspace. And now they come home and they have no patience for me or for each other. There has been a lot of fighting. There have been tears. There has been even some defiance and things that we were not struggling with at all during the summer months. And it's really discouraging as a parent because you've, at at least at our house, this summer was a real turning point for us. And the kids are to the ages now where the older ones especially are so helpful and they do great with the younger kids. And we had really worked through a lot of those sibling problems. And now it feels like, oh my goodness, we're back to square one. And it is so discouraging and hard as a mom, especially since we've set up our family in a way so that I'm able to be at home with them full time. It's hard to feel like we've made these choices and made these different sacrifices and then to feel like I'm getting our kids leftovers day after day. 
So yeah, it's been really hard and I have definitely shed some tears over it too. And it's been really hard to say goodbye to summer. Usually at this time of year, I am totally ready to send them back and I'm chomping at the bit to get back to a routine and a schedule. And that is definitely still the case, but I am sad to see them gone all day, every day because of where they are right now with things. So Philip and I have had a couple of really good heart to hearts to figure out how we as a family can work together to make the adjustment back to the school year better. And so I wrote down a couple of these ideas and things that we've been working on, and I wanted to share them tonight and see if maybe you're doing similar things at your house, or if you have some ideas that you'd love to add to the conversation, I'd love to hear them. So uh, first thing, and this is a mental thing, is for me to remember that it's a phase. We go through it every year. And I know that it will improve as the kids build up their stamina to being back in school, to not having their naps every day, and to being gone all day and having to be on. So I know that it will be temporary. And for some kids, it will last longer, especially for the younger ones. Every year when we have a kindergartner, it honestly takes our kids until close to Christmas vacation (laughs) before they're used to being at school all day long and that they're not completely exhausted when they get back home. But I think a lot of that too is recognizing that some of our kids just have totally different temperaments. And for some of our kids, they will continue to need that headspace and that break Not so much because they're physically tired, but because they're introverted and they need to have the headspace of getting away from all the people that they've been around all day long. And instead of being able to jump right into homework or a conversation with me where I'm peppering them with a bunch of questions, they need to be able to step away from everyone for a little bit. So for our littlest ones... After they walk in the door, we try to create a routine. This is the next thing, to have a come home from school routine. So when they walk in the door, I ask everyone to hang up their backpacks. If it's a cold time of year, you put up your coat, your whatever you brought in the door with you, and you have your little cubby drop area, and you put it all there. And then I want you to go take off your uniforms And yes, you will wear your jumper or your uniform shorts, whatever is not dirty more than once because I'm not going to wash them every day. Put some play clothes on, come back, wash your hands, and then we'll have a snack. And I'm not going to try and pepper them with too many questions. My goal is just to get them fed because they are hungry, especially the younger ones. They have lunch at 10:55. So by the time they get home and they walk from to um they walk from school, they are really really hungry. And their favorite this has been a game changer at our house. I create I call it just a welcome home plate. And I fill a big dinner plate full of some relatively healthy snacks. So because it's a sampling of things, it feels almost like a charcuterie board. And it has apple slice things like apple slices, cheese, granola bites, mixed nuts, carrots, maybe some raisins, or I don't know, 
things like that. So it's a variety of things. If I had just put out the crunchy carrots, those would not get eaten. But if they're mixed in with other things, they look more colorful and appetizing. Um, so they all just kind of nibble on that for a while. And then once everyone's done with their snack, then I move on to homework. And this year we're trying something new. Uh, Harry, our kindergartner, is exhausted. So I am giving him, after he's been fed, some downtime. I am just asking him to lay on the couch and either put on an audiobook or read to him or just give him a little bit of quiet time where he can just lay there or even take a nap if he's exhausted. And then Walt, he is my introverted fella. So he's our third grader. I send him to his bedroom after he's had a snack and he is happy as a clam to go up there with a book. He's always reading something and he will just have some quiet reading time up there for 20 minutes, half an hour. Meanwhile, fourth grader Jane, she's my extrovert. She is just ready to tell me the play-by-play of her day. (laughs) So this is her chance to shine, have some quality mom time. Usually Dorothy and Gloria are still napping. And so I'm able to have some quality connection with Jane and we talk. And if she needs some help with her homework, I help. Otherwise, she's fairly independent at this point, but she might have a question or two or want to look something up or show me something from the school day. So that's our time to connect. And then by the time she's done, Harry is back to being fit for human consumption. (laughs) And he'll either want to have some cuddly reading time with me. Uh, Usually Dorothy's starting to wake up at this time. Maybe Gloria's awake. We're having a bottle, hanging out. And then Walt will rejoin us. If he needs help with homework, I'll give him a hand. Otherwise, we'll set him up in the dining room so that he's able to still have a little bit more space and do his thing. And then I can look over his homework and see if he needed any help. And we have been adjusting with other things with the schedule to make the evening continue to work smoothly. So we have made it so that bedtime has been moved up. Our kids are always, they've always been early bedtime kids. Even in the summer months, we were getting them down between 7.30, 7.45. Now that the school year has started, we are starting the bedtime routine at seven o'clock. And our goal is to have everyone in bed by 7.30, if not earlier. And that is making a big difference. In the morning, we're adjusting the schedule to try and make it so that we have more connecting. Usually I'm exercising, having my prayer time, doing my own thing, and Philip is in charge of the morning stuff. But these first couple of weeks, I'm trying to postpone, put off my quiet time and connecting with them. So I'm sitting down at the breakfast table, having breakfast with the kids, talking more about what the day is going to look like and sending them off with big hugs and kisses before dad takes them to school. That way they're feeling more connected with me and it's a fun, warm, fuzzy way for us to start the day. The trade-off is that I'm not having the quiet time that I'm used to in the mornings. Um, And (laughs) if I'm honest, that's definitely more of a sacrifice for me on my end. I love that 
headspace time in the early mornings, but it's a trade-off that I'm willing to make as we adjust to the school year if it means the kids are starting their day with their love buckets filled. Um, Another thing, too, in addition to talking about establishing the coming back from school routine, just remembering to teach everyone all of the things of we're going to put the coats and backpacks away, have the snack, all of that stuff. It's making sure the calendar commitments are as limited as possible. We are not in any rush to sign up for anything right now. We are just allowing it to be enough to have the kids get back into the routine of school. And we're going to pick up different activities as the year goes on, but we're keeping it pretty minimal at this point. And if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, that's not a surprise to you because I told you 2016 micro soccer almost killed us and we've never looked back. (laughs) Um, so yeah, the calendar is pretty bare minimum. And some of you are probably laughing at all of this saying, Oh my goodness, she has no idea. Her kids are still so young. Just wait, just wait until you get older and it gets crazy and chaotic. And I kind of want to call foul on that attitude of parenting because we all, I don't know, at some, we all make decisions and the lives we have are the lives in large part that we've chosen. So much of it is voluntary. And Philip and I are at a stage in life where we've decided, yeah, it's, we have five young kids and we could do more activities, but we're not going to because we know our personalities and our kids' temperaments and their personalities, and that would not be a good fit for us right now. So we're okay with that. And I'm also okay with admitting that we're already, (laughs) even without the activities, feeling stretched really thin but it's where we are and maybe things will change down the road. But for now, 7.15 bedtime and exhausted kids is where we are. I had a great meeting today with my spiritual director and he gave me some really great insights. I was telling him, I feel kind of silly sometimes talking in my prayer life with God when I bring my crosses to him and talk about the things that I'm struggling with. Because if I'm honest, all the things in my life that are difficult, I feel very richly blessed. And sometimes it feels almost embarrassing to bring the things that I'm struggling with to God in prayer when there are people who are struggling with relatively much more serious things. And that's not to say that I haven't had things in my life that have been difficult or hard, but you know what I mean when you feel like all in all life is pretty, pretty darn good. And it's hard to not compartmentalize life and just feel like, okay, I'm just going to carry on and not bring all the stuff to God. But my spiritual director reminded me of some of my favorite verses in scripture from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that. And my spiritual director, he's so great. He said, 
the thing is, it's not just that the yoke is easy and light when Jesus puts it on us, but sometimes the temptation is to grab it from him and tell, and tell Jesus, here, let me take it. Let me put it on. And to think that we have to be in control of it. But instead, when we're meek, and I love that word meek. I heard Father John Ricardo talk about when you meek a horse, it's a wild, strong animal. And when it is meeked, it is taking that power and putting it under obedience, under the service of the master. So that's the image I have in my head when I ask Jesus to put the yoke, I allow him to put the yoke on me, that it's not supposed to be heavy, that he's going to give me rest, and that it's going to be light. The burden is light, and he's going to help me to carry it. So I'm trying to keep that image in my head. Yes, this start of the school year, and in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge cross, but it's a burden right now in my parenting. And just the encouragement from those verses that when I'm meek and I allow Christ to put the yoke on me, that the burden will be light. So I am writing that verse down on my chalkboard in the kitchen this week. And again, that's from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the other thing on the parenting end of things, my last word of encouragement, I have not been acting like the adult in this scenario. I have been parenting like a thermometer instead of a thermostat. And so what I mean by that is the kids, they're acting the ages that they are. So their emotions are all over the place. They are on a total roller coaster every day. And they have really, really highs and really low lows. And I follow them emotionally. And instead of stopping and responding thoughtfully, I go wherever they are. I go to the highest highs and I go to the lowest lows. And my goal as the adult, as the parent that I'm supposed to be in this scenario, is to be the thermostat, to set the tone to respond with what the standard of behavior is for our household, but I'm not doing that lately. And I need to be much more disciplined in that and to remember that I have that choice. And I think the problem is that I have just been allowing my emotional response to whatever their huge emotional emotion is in the moment And I have not been purposefully, deliberately pausing and choosing to be the adult in the moment. And so I need to get into the discipline of joy. I think I've been forgetting, I'm forgetting what the quote is. It's from uh, Pope Francis's The Joy of the Gospel, where he talks about how there are all of these gloomy, doomy Christians and that they're so horrible for evangelizing what the faith is all about and that we have to choose joy and that it's a real discipline to do so. And so these next couple of weeks, that's what I'm really working hard to do. 
the discipline of in those moments that are really hard modeling for the kids that because I have Jesus in my life and that I'm supposed to be getting my strength and, and my just life from him because of that, I have a life that's full of joy. It doesn't mean everything is happy clappy all the time, but that I'm choosing this life of deep, constant, sustainable joy. So that's, that's where we are right now. It's, uh, (laughs) I'm sorry that it's not a more uplifting episode, but hopefully these are just a couple of ideas that are encouraging to you and that you can take away from this episode and maybe start to put in place. But that's all that I have for new content for this week. I would love to hear your feedback and find out how the start of the school year is going at your house. Are things as tough for you guys as it is for us right now? Are your kids struggling? Are you struggling? I want to know what's helping, what's contributing to the chaos, or what's contributing to the calm at your house. Are you making any changes that seem to be helping? And if you are and they are working, I would love to hear all about it. As always, you can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram or my favorite that some of you have been doing. You can leave me a Voxer. That's that free walkie talkie app. And you can find me if you search for my name, Catherine Boucher. And some of you have been leaving ratings and reviews in iTunes. That is so helpful. It helps the show to get in front of as many listeners as possible. If you don't know how to do that, I'll leave a note in the show notes for how to rate and review podcasts in iTunes. Thank you so much for doing that. And until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding.